1: Alex, I want to start today's podcast with a quote from a former MLB player, former MLB All-Star. All right. You ready?
2: Yeah, I am absolutely ready. I'm waiting with bated breath.
1: They need to open Fenway up and let the fans back in. They keep saying normalcy is around the corner. Normalcy is right now. We are a lot smarter than what the media is letting us know. Alex, that was former Red Sox and Yankee legend, World Series champion, Johnny Damon
2: normalcy is right
1: now normalcy is right now we're a lot smarter than what the media is letting us know alex what aren't we letting him know what what are we holding back what do you and i the media know that he doesn't know
2: this is like you know you, you hit the blunt one too many times and you're like normalcy is like all around us like time is time's right and f- time's sitting in this room here with us right now you know and fate may be sitting out the door but we're just basking in the normalcy
1: this is like the actually harmful version of the nick castellanos quote from way back when (laughs) (laughs) i was recently listening to that again i went back to the old pod and found phoebe and i were in the car and nick castellanos had hit a home run and um we wanted to go back and find that quote from nick castellanos why is an opening day today? Him and Johnny Damon hitting the blunt and Johnny Damon decided to go real negative coronavirus with it.
2: <laughs> Honestly, if there's any sport whose retired players are just like, you know, hard right, like COVID deniers, it's 100% baseball.
1: Yeah. The top 25 draft picks of guys most likely to say dumb shit about COVID, like 20 of them are MLB players. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Maybe that's a segment that we shouldn't give away.
2: (laughs) Extremely bleak segment.
1: Instead of building an all-gift team, we can build an all-COVID denier team out of former (laughs) athletes. Okay, Johnny Damon aside, we are going to talk about the last week in baseball, which has been just a week of baseball for the most part. Um, And we are also going to bring on Jeremy Taché of Swings and Mishes to talk about The most emblematic team of the 2020 baseball season, the Miami Marlins. Uh, But before we get to all of that, I am Bobby Wagner.
2: I'm Alex Basley.
1: And you're listening to Tipping Pitches. (laughs) Alex, I want to start with a complaint. We're calling the manager here on Tipping Pitches.
2: Okay, so, sounds good. I feel like that's 80% of our podcast anyway. Let us
1: speak to Rob. This will, this will in a way, be a roundabout way, be let me speak to Rob. But All right. my complaint is with whoever handles merchandising for Major League Baseball. I just want to pay United States legal tender to buy a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey, and I can't do it, Alex. I can't do it. Why can't I do it? Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever gone to buy a jersey of a guy that you loved and you open up the World Wide Web where you can do you can order fucking anything to your door these days? These days, you can order anything to your door. Kids don't have to work for their things anymore. I know this sounds like a boomer ass rant, but has this ever happened to you? Or maybe this sounds like the opposite of a ass rant. This sounds like a privileged-ass millennial rant where I'm like, I just want to open up the internet and click purchase and have it come to my door. But I just want to open up the internet and click purchase and have it come to my door. If I'm being honest,
2: yes, this has happened to me. I feel like this has happened to me a lot. I think that baseball's, like, supply chain for... <laughs> for... Jer- by being able to buy Welcome jerseys to of Harvard players you like.
1: Podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I like a couple years ago. I'm like, oh, I want to go online and buy a Chris Davis jersey. Oakland is Chris Davis with a K jersey. Just, just not there. You know, you don't want a they Chris have, Davis
1: like, with the C jersey i you know MLB legend record holder
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh god remember last year ah that's i mean that's a lot uh wait was his hit
1: list streak last year wasn't it oh my god the year before i need to stop trying to tell time by how long we've been doing this podcast because we've now this is now our fourth baseball season that we've talked to each other on a podcast and i can't keep them all straight so yeah
2: I, maybe it's just the uh, the Oakland A's merch shop, but like for eighty percent of the year, they have um, Marcus Simeon
1: MVP candidate
2: and like three guys who aren't on the team anymore. Like a Stephen Vote jersey nice. for twenty percent off or something like that. Get that? Uh, like a get Billy that. a Billy Butler jersey that they're just frantically trying to get rid of. I'm being totally serious here. I don't know what's going on.
1: Do you think it's easier to get a Josh Donaldson jersey right now than a Jesus Lizardo jersey? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I feel like they like don't start producing jerseys until guys have like a year of like time under their belt or something like that. But like why? that's why
1: like, I, I don't know. Okay. I know Just buy I, just
2: buy a fake one. Just buy a fake one, like the rest of us. No,
1: no, no. I want a real jersey. I could buy the fake Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey on Poshmark that comes up every time I go to Google and search Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey, which I do like three times a day now because I fucking have to. It's not even I I got news for you. People are still going to want Fernando Tatis Jr. jerseys in six months. So just leave the jersey up on the website like you can't even find the jersey listing on MLB's website. It's not there. Just leave it up and let me order it and just say you're not gonna get it for six months. I don't care. It'll be like an early Christmas gift to myself.
2: Here's here's my take. Uh I don't I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Um jerseys, just better than jerseys. Wow. Just hold just, it. <laughs> for the average fan, jerseys like are cool to wear around the house, maybe, no. or to wear to I the feel game. The
1: Only to the game. Wearing a jersey around your house is kind of lame. I'll I'll admit that. Yeah,
2: whatever. But but my point being, like, I'm not just going to be like, I'm going to go to the store. Let me throw on my Matt Chapman jersey real quick
1: you can know you even like, get a matt chapman jersey i don't know uh, no you can't Why are they just <laughs> holding production for when he's on a different team i'm just saying jerseys cost a fifth of the price and you don't look
2: like a fucking dork when you walk outside with them you know there's Counter just point, much you do more look utility like a to them no you
1: look like a dork
0: <laughs> no you, you, you don't. just
1: no come uh, on come on come on a jersey can be good style especially if you wear it open unbuttoned you know Look, I'm not wearing a a Fernando Tati's junior jersey to target.
0: Where are you wearing it?
1: That's a good question. (laughs) I'm wearing it. Okay, number one, (laughs) it's for when I go to Padres
2: games. For when I drive a couple hours to San
1: Diego. (laughs) Maybe I might wear it to a game that I don't have an affiliation to either of the teams. So if oh, I go you're to an, be that guy, yeah, sure. I'm just supporting MOB the whole sport, you know. <laughs> I just I want to support the brand. I want to buy like the umpire's hat,
2: you know, like yeah. the one that's just the logo. Like I'm just a fan of Major League Baseball.
1: How many? How much money do you think umpires make? Phoebe asked me this question yesterday, and I had no idea. No ballpark, nothing. Do you think it's I like have... two over 200k? Uh, probably. Well, it's a pretty elite group of human beings it's a pretty elite group of human beings. There I are mean, less umpires than players. There are mes- less made. It's e- it's easier to become a major league baseball player than a major league baseball umpire. We don't talk about that enough. <laughs> wow. Let me buy is, Joe West jersey. What number is he? Do you think I could buy Joe West's jersey right now? Like the, uh, you mean like the little like polo that they wear with like yeah. his
2: number on the side? Uh huh. I don't know, but you should be able to.
1: Alex, you can buy on eBay an authentic, game-worn umpire jersey, an umpire uniform. It's number 95, so it's not Joe West, who is number 22. A quick Google search has re- revealed. But Do they I can, tell you
2: who the umpire is?
1: They're just like care. someone for this. <laughs> it's Angel Hernandez. They don't want to say <laughs> So I can more easily buy an umpire's jersey than a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey.
2: We we hate to see that. We we really, we really don't like to see that. Or maybe we do. I don't know. What is
1: going on? What is going on? We've gotten we've strayed so far from the point. I know. In in all seriousness though, sometimes I feel just to be candid, sometimes I feel like we get on here every week just to get out our energy, get out our emotions, and compartmentalize a little bit so that the rest of the week we can enjoy baseball and then the one day a week we have to criticize it and then we feel good about ourselves but then and i think that maybe we have like a very skewed worldview of how mlb does and maybe mlb is not actually that bad at marketing their stars and maybe it's just a different type of sport and maybe young people really don't like the game of baseball etc etc and then i get then i then i go through stuff like this where I try to go buy a Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the world's, one of the game's brightest young stars. Who could be a worldwide superstar if handled correctly. And I can't get his jersey. I want his jersey. I want it. No matter whether, whether you want to make fun of me for wearing it. Where I'm, you want to ask me where I'm going to wear it. I just want it. For fucking posterity's sake. I want to pass it down to my child. I want to say, look at this Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey that your father paid $120 because he wasn't doing anything else with his life during the 2020 pandemic. <laughs> now you get to have it. Hall of Famer, Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey. Like, God damn it, dude. Imagine being a Padres fan. You can't get a Tatis Jr. jersey. The most exciting player in franchise history is here. No shade on Machado, who you can get his jersey. No shade on Tony Gwynn, who's obviously a legend and a Hall of Famer, but this is a different kind of electric. He's 20. And he's already, like, gonna win MVP. And you can't get his jersey. It's like, the, like, like LeBron going to Cleveland and you couldn't buy a LeBron jersey. You could, like, everybody had one because we watched them burn them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I can't argue with you there. But, you know, let me uh, offer you a counterpoint. Have you heard of a, a jersey? It's like a t-shirt um, that looks like a jersey, but it's not umpires make between 150,000 and 450,000 a year a quick google Wh- what search what umpires reveals.
1: making 450k redistribute Honest? umpires wealth. yes I
2: r- real quick and then we should move on because this is not the tangent we were going to go down but um this no, is, it is. My, this is how
1: I envisioned this podcast to go
2: this is minor league umpires again I don't know how accurate <laughs> dummiesports.com is so take it with a grain of salt
1: you shouldn't have shared the website <laughs> I'm cutting that out.
2: Apparently, Joe West and his senior umpire uh, peers make four hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's who is raking in the big bucks over here. <laughs> Meanwhile, minor league umpires make between two thousand and like four thousand a month, which is equal to, if not more, what minor leaguers are paid.
1: That is minor league umpires. Part of the umpire union.
2: Uh, sh- sh- Sorry, yeah, it yeah. Sounds like You're that. Gonna just, just gonna, you, we need a <laughs> we need a riff for another ten minutes. So like <laughs> I can Google this. This is why. Oh my gosh! This is why they're agitating for robot umpires. It all makes sense now. <laughs>
1: um. Wow. Did we just do like an anti-worker rant by saying that umpires should make less? <laughs> <laughs> Because their union negotiated for them to get that money from MLB, a billion dollar industry. Did we just have we gotten ourselves canceled?
2: Yeah, I think we did.
1: Okay, well, let's continue on my Tatis Jr. Jersey point. I want (laughs) to take it down a notch. right? I want to take it down a notch and I want to talk kind of seriously about this for a second. In 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Stop laughing at me. In 10 years or in 20 years or in 30 years, we're going to look back and we're going to say nobody watches baseball anymore. And okay. it's going to be stuff like this. It's going to be jokes like this and conversations like this that we're going to say, damn, maybe that should have been a red flag that you couldn't buy the jersey of the brightest young star in baseball who is might maybe going to take the torch as the face of the game, along with Francisco Lindor. Like You can't buy that guy's jersey until he's in year three. That is unforgivable unforgivable it's not like he came out of nowhere he was the number one prospect in baseball you can't be like Mark Canna's having a good year but we didn't expect Mark Canna to be this good like that's fine but that's not the argument that you can make with Fernando Tatis Jr and his jersey has been unavailable since before this season even started what more evidence did you need from last year the fact that he was going to win rookie of the year before he got hurt I don't know. I'm just so mad. I'm so mad. I'm I'm clearly so mad. It's San Diego, not Topeka. (laughs) Like It's still a pretty big market, okay? They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on payroll.
2: Yeah, and you're offering up your money to them. You're saying, look, I have no other means to give you money this season. I physically cannot come to see a baseball game, but I'm willing to give you $150 for... A piece of cloth I'll wear a couple times.
1: Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'll give you the money for that stupid outerwear. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Sorry for getting so upset. You know,
2: we, we've we all been there. I Quarantine drives us to the, the brink of insanity.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm being gaslit by Major League Baseball. They're like, no, Tatis <laughs> Jr. is not that good, actually. I'm like, dude has seven home <laughs> runs in the first 15 games, and he plays shortstop. You gotta do. Imagine if he was on the fucking Yankees, dude. I can buy a Gleyber Torres jersey for my fucking dog, but I can't buy a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey for my human body.
2: Real quick, uh, before we move on from this point, I just want to read you a list of the the players whose jersey you can buy. Um, now, this is uh, this is via the the custom. A custom jersey feature, and they feature a little drop-down menu of all the of all the Padres players that you can just like put onto the jersey. Basically, okay. So, like, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, you can just like create a custom Tatis jersey. But like, that's stupid. And you I shouldn't refuse have to do that. To
1: that. I'm not paying fifty extra dollars to buy the most the, the jersey of the best player on your team. Sorry.
2: Here are here are the players. There, I have some right principles, now. Alex. We have Zach Davies, <laughs> Ty France. Greg Garcia, Javi Guerra, Austin Hedges, Tim Hill, your boy Eric Hosmer, Pierce Johnson, Denelson Lamette, Joey Lucchese, Manny Machado, Francisco Mejia, Will Myers, Josh Naylor, Chris Paddock, Luis Perdomo, Tommy Pham, Drew Pomeranz, Jerickson, Profal, Cal, Jerickson Profar, Cal Quantrill, Jerickson Profar, who joined the team that- Like uh, eight hours ago. Craig Stammen, Matt Strom, Kirby Yates. It's like the entire roster except Tatis.
1: I understand how, like, supply chain economics work on a funda- like a basic fundamental level. Like, more people wanted it, they sold out, and now they're trying to ramp up production. But the ramping up of production should have happened in 2017. It, it, you should be ready by now. <laughs> or, or 2018 at the fucking latest, when he was the top prospect in baseball. And I, I feel bad, like, tagging the Padres on Twitter, because the poor social media manager for the Padres not that my little twitter following is like going to do anything to make their lives worse but i feel bad at all the people who are tagging the padres social media on twitter because it's not the padres fault probably you think that the you think that the people who run the padres were like actually we want to make less money no it's like they don't have the infrastructure to be supported and it's hard to get padres stuff everywhere you know i tweeted yesterday about the tie-dye shirts that i bought of the A's and the Mets. Guess who's not available? Guess what MLB team is not available on 47 brand? The Padres. But this team, all those guys you listed, there's a lot of fun players that you just listed. Denelson LeMet is one of the best young pitchers in baseball. And obviously so is Paddock. Machado is still an MVP candidate, an MVP caliber player. Say what you want about Hosmer, whatever, they shored that up and they got him on the team. Will Myers, same thing. This team is good. They're a good baseball team. And to continue to treat them, not to be like, respect the small market guy, (laughs) but to continue to treat them like they're a minor league team is just fucking embarrassing for the league. You only have 30 teams. You can effectively promote all of them. It's not that hard. Facts. Go off. Let them know. I don't want to buy a Fernando Tatis Jr. Yankees jersey after he comes to the Yankees and they make him cut his hair and shave. I don't want that. I don't want that. Bleak future. I don't want it. Sorry. Okay, let's move on and talk about your Oakland days. <laughs>
2: uh, and we're not talking about how they're good.
1: Even though they are good.
2: On a, on a bingo card of things that happen in the 2020 baseball season, honestly, there's a reasonable chance that MLB coach does a Nazi salute is on there. Like, as far as surprising things go, <laughs> should be more surprising than I think it is. What's um, the free
1: space? Us criticizing Rob Manford for how he's handled the season? Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, it's just like at Rob Manfred. Um, Ryan Christensen, uh, bench coach for the Oakland Athletics got in, uh, you could say a bit of hot water this past week. Um, because he threw up what seemed to look like a, uh, a Nazi salute at the end of the game. The, uh, the A's and, and many other teams, but the A's have kind of been doing this, uh, this sort of chop thing, this arm chop instead of high fives. Um, because, you know, pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so Ryan Christensen at the end of the game held his arm at what looked like a 45-degree angle straight up in the air. And Liam Hendricks came by, reliever for the Oakland A's, and, uh, and was like, hey, guy, maybe don't do that. And kind of, you know, literally forces his arm down a little bit and is like, that kind of looks like something it shouldn't. And so Ryan Christensen, uh, it appears from the video realizes what he's done and then laughs it off and then kind of throws up another Nazi salute
1: just to prove a, how little he meant the first one,
2: just as a joke, you know, you know that thing where like you accidentally throw up a Nazi salute and your friends like, Hey, don't do maybe, that. maybe don't do that. And you're like, Oh yeah, that'd be really funny if I did throw a Nazi salute, you know, like
1: this one. God. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. The thing you said about the bingo card is just an exhausting thought, but true. You know, I thought I was FaceTiming with my mother yesterday, and she asked me, did you see this story about the A's coach who threw up the Nazi salute? I said, yes, Mom. I saw this story about the A's coach who threw up a Nazi salute. Don't think that that's on a list of things that might slip past my radar. (laughs) On this podcast here that we do about socioeconomics in baseball. <laughs> and she asked me, and she's like, why did he do that? And I was like, if only I could have an answer for you. I have nothing to say about why he would do that. It's completely inexplicable. And then I kept thinking, like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about it. And I was like, I better figure out something to say, because I know that me and Alex are going to have to talk about this tomorrow. And full transparency here, I still don't know what the hell to say about this. Like, what? was he thinking obviously completely despicable act to do on anywhere as a joke, but especially on national television representing a major league baseball team that like a bunch of kids are watching and like idolizing because they love playing baseball. It's so emblematic of, I think this culture around sports and around baseball specifically where you get a bunch of dudes in a room and it's like, Oh, they just joke around like they're just being funny. They're just being bros. They're just yeah, guys just locker, being locker room talk, you know? Yeah. And I know you're invoking that sarcastically, but but really, I think back on the last time I played baseball, you know, and the group of the group of people shaping my worldview about how they acted in a group of 20 young men. And it makes a lot of sense as to how you could get to this point in major league clubhouses where guys are just doing dumb shit. And this guy's a coach. Like, you can't even say like, ah, he's 19, he's stupid, he doesn't think about the world. You can't even use that defense. This guy's a fucking coach. He's been a baseball lifer. And it just, it's such an indictment on the culture that we allow to bubble up and exist from the very beginning days of playing baseball. The fact that you could think that this was funny. The fact that you could think that you could do this With someone else, this hateful act with someone else on your team as a joke, maybe because there's no fans and you're not sure if the camera's on you at this specific moment. Like, does he do this if there are fans in the stands? I don't know. But you let your guard down and you show the foundation that you've built, the toxic foundation that you've built about all jokes go in a clubhouse. Like, no, this is hateful. This is exclusionary to people who want to play baseball, as are a million other things that coaches and and players and at all levels, condone. But this is just such a shining example of it, and it's such a shame that it happened on the Major League Baseball level while baseball was supposed to come back and be like this salve for all of us to experience joyfully. And you have a coach throwing up a Nazi salute as a joke.
2: Yeah, and there's obviously no environment under which this would be acceptable, but it's also like, especially right now, at the, at the period that this like, country is in, where this is like a real thing, that we're combating, right? Like, just like actual Nazis existing in the world. Running for
1: elected office.
2: Running for elected office (laughs) to, you accidentally maybe stick your arm straight up at a 45 degree angle. Look, I can't say I do that regularly. I tend to know kind of what the seagull looks like, roughly speaking. But let's say you happen to do it accidentally.
1: And then someone corrects you.
2: Yeah, like, nice
1: work, Liam Hendricks. Thank you for just physically taking the arm down so that nobody had to look at it longer.
2: What compels you to then do it again? Oh, you know that thing you just said I shouldn't do? Yeah, it'd be really funny if I did it again. Like, there's no, there's zero benefit of the doubt that you can give him. And you're absolutely right that this just speaks to that culture that exists. And frankly, it was just as shameful to see people come out and defend him, players and coaches and and beat reporters, right? And saying, look, I know he's a good guy. He's got a Jewish friend. I, like, um, it, it just doesn't really afford him the opportunity to like learn and grow from this. It and doesn't, it doesn't, and the tone, it doesn't hold him accountable in any way. It just says, oh, well, it was clearly an accident. He's not a bad dude. It's like, I don't I don't really care if he's like, he has hate in his heart or doesn't. Like, he did something stupid and he should have to be held accountable by the public. He really should. And more importantly, by the people who are closest to him. Like, you do him and everyone else a disservice when you just let him off the hook like that.
1: And I, I don't know what that means for the his future as an MLB coach or his future with the A's or anything like that, but to immediately skip the step and have a ton of people like defending his character. It's just a lack of examination about how you even get to this point. Like how you, how do you get to the point where a dude could do that this is an okay joke to make in his workplace. What does that say about the workplace? And what does that say about the employee? It's not, it's not good things. It's, it's not good things. And this is a serious problem in baseball. It's a serious problem that we have people who think that this is funny or who have you know history of thinking that things like this are funny and that we can pass off things like this as a joke you know like when josh hater all of his tweets was came out
2: thinking the exact same thing
1: he was like oh i was just stupid in high school i thought it was a joke well like what the fuck were your teammates saying at the time
2: yeah what was what was
1: explain what was the punchline
2: to the to the white power joke i'm sorry i think i i think i missed uh, i think i missed that one
1: yeah and your coach probably followed you on twitter in high school what was he saying was he just like, meh, give me a couple good innings and it's all good. Let's slide yeah. that one right under the rug.
2: Your buddies hit you with the retweet. They were like, yeah, that is funny.
1: I'm just sick of I'm sick of baseball players comedy. No more comedy from baseball players. Not until we figure this shit out. <laughs> no more jokes. I don't actually I don't actually mean that. I I just mean like I can't stop thinking about this very insightful thing that our friend Bradford William Davis said on our podcast before the season started, which was, (laughs) we keep asking for players to show more personality. And this is something that Alex, you and I have been doing since literally the very first episode of this podcast, is we love when players express their personality, and we love when fan bases can connect with it. And Bradford said, what if their personalities suck? What if a lot of their personalities suck? And that scares me. It scares me to be this enveloped in a sport where it, there's a good chance that a lot of the a lot of the players maybe make jokes like this. I don't know.
2: Yeah, there's no there's no way around it. That's for sure.
1: Okay, on that very sour note, let's let lo- us let us welcome in our friend Jeremy Tache to talk about the most emblematic team of 2020 baseball, the Miami Marlins. Okay, okay, okay. Alex, let us welcome in Jeremy Tache of Swings and Mishes of Miami Marlins fandom of ESPN Miami of many of many places. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks guys for having me on. I really appreciate it.
2: We we never bring on people to talk about specific teams. Like that's just like mm-hmm. not our beat, you know. But the Marlins force our hand, man. <laughs> like like here we are and they are w-
0: To this point in the season, one of the best teams in baseball. So I understand not only not bringing on people to cover specific beats, but I imagine when you first started this podcast, assuming that you would never, ever, ever, ever have someone on to talk about the Miami Marlins of all teams. So
1: I can completely understand that. I I just think they're so... We we obviously want to talk about you because the Marlins have been in the news for quite a while now. They're actually a good team as well. They're in first place by winning percentage right now by by quite a bit. And they look competitive against even the Mets' best offerings, a bit against Jacob deGrom as we speak right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to talk to you mainly because I think the Marlins are emblematic of the 2020 baseball season in the best and worst possible ways. So mm. I think to start out for you, what has it been like being kind of enmeshed in marlin's twitter and everything being defcon one for 24 7 for the last two weeks
0: it has been exhausting uh it's crazy so i work with with craig mish who's been doing most of the breaking news reporting on the marlins and so most of the time i'm getting like 30 seconds of heads up before xyz news is going straight out there i'm getting a text and then i'm getting the tweet notification later so I, I you know we've we've messaged before about this that there you know the day that the marlins had their biggest outbreak I woke up to a, a text that just said uh oh and <laughs> that was when I realized okay so this is going to be sort of worst case scenario and what's been so bizarre is like it's just been such a roller coaster of emotions for like I as just strictly from like a quote unquote fan side it's been a roller coaster because you're, if you're following it as a fan and you're going, "Okay, hey, here's this fun young team, and we're two and one after the Phillies, hooray, and then all those guys that you just enjoyed watching that series are put on the i l it's eighteen of the thirty. you know you go through everything, you see what major league baseball's investigation was. There are little things here and there, obviously we can go go through all of that if you guys wanted to, but To spare all of that, you come out on the other side and win four in a row against the Orioles, who were five and three. And it's just been like such an up and down crazy time to watch the Miami Marlins, who most of Major League Baseball had no clue who was on the team before, let alone after 18 players have to be replaced. What was
2: that kind of like inside that um, fan base as... uh as things were unfolding right like obviously the the Marlins potentially there were some players who made some bad choices but we also always knew that this was going to happen right like there was always going to be a team the you know the Cardinals are are that team this week and it's going to be someone else next week so did the was the fan base kind of supportive of the players was there a bit of like kind of like personal responsibility that they felt needed to be taken
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I noticed sort of two sides of it. So, Miami sports fandom is strange, right? So, I'm in it as someone that grew up in South Florida, grew up a fan of all the sports teams here in South Florida, then, you know, left for college and came back and got a job down here. Now I'm in the media. And so, I kind of have to view it from both perspectives as like the, you know, the media member, serious media member, and then also from the perspective of just someone who grew up a Marlins fan. And so, Twitter was the perfect place to see the general pulse of what Marlins fans were feeling. Marlins fans, the ones who have stuck around the last few years, the ones who like are so badly hoping this rebuild works and everything with the Marlins is going to be positive and all that, all of them were just angry at the world for blaming the Marlins for this issue. Honestly, understandably, it's a worldwide pandemic and we were blaming baseball players for getting sick during the pandemic. I think there was a general uh there seemed to be a general sense of if they went out that is wrong uh and I think once the reports sort of came out that yes they did go, you know, uh to grab clothes or whatever it was that they did. Um you know, a couple guys went out for dinner, etc. I think most of the fans were like, okay, so they, they should have been better. But what was funnier was the segment of Miami sports fandom that loves the Heat, the Dolphins and the Panthers, but hates the Marlins for everything that's happened over a number of years. And they maybe were worse toward the Marlins than anybody across the country. So half of Miami Twitter was ripping the Marlins and half of Miami Twitter was yelling at them, defending them. While there were no actual facts about anything that were out there yet, everybody was just going off of hypothesis, which honestly made it for like the most possible fun you could have over 48 hours, considering the circumstances.
2: That sounds sounds like just the internet, Twitter encapsulated. Neither side knows any facts, but they're still (laughs) yelling at each other.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what it was. It's exactly what it was. It was crazy. It just comes back to this idea for me that you... That we as a baseball media, but we as baseball fans, we who are sharing our opinions on baseball Twitter loudly and widely, just need to be able to hold two ideas in our head at the same time. Like it can be that some Miami Marlins players could have done better, but if you expect every player to do completely perfectly, then it wasn't a good plan to begin with. And it's not good enough circumstances to have a good plan, you have to have a perfect plan. So it's all of these competing factors that I think came to an unbelievable head over the course of about 48 hours with the Marlins, and then have continued to kind of trickle out since then.
0: Yeah, well, and, and that's sort of, I was emphasizing that part of it, Sunday morning. So the Sunday, remember, if we go all the way back, Sunday morning, July, I want to say 26th, the Marlins and Phillies are one and one, and they're playing a game on Sunday afternoon, one that the Marlins ultimately end up winning. But before that game, Jose Ureña was scratched, as was Harold Ramirez, as was Garrett Cooper. There were three more positive tests after the first positive test on Friday. I was like screaming into the void on Twitter. Why hasn't MLB canceled this game already? What they ultimately ended up doing with with the Cardinals as soon as they had a couple of positive tests. I was screaming into the void. There's going to be more positive tests tomorrow. It's obvious, just do the math. Why aren't they canceling this game? And so for that... To then turn into let's blame Miguel Rojas and his group chat with his teammates of athletes who wanted to play their sport when they'd been told, hey, go play your sport regardless of how many positive tests are. That's why we've put 60 guys on your roster. It was the craziest like 180 of, of responses from baseball Twitter that I've like ever seen. Because it it that game should have been canceled right off the bat. And so the roller coaster of Okay, we feel terrible that these guys tested positive. Oh my God, how did we win this game? Oh my God, there's eight more guys that have tested positive now. The next morning was just it must have been nuts for the average fan so
2: the the Marlins right now are seven and two, but my mm. my question to you is, are the Marlins good? Because those are two <laughs> very different
0: things. <laughs> uh, the Marlins were good at the start of the year. They were a lot like i I was now I'm also uh I have a penchant to be a little too positive uh when it comes to the teams that I cover uh just in terms of trying to find the silver lining, whether it be on a roster or whatever so I have the tendency to to search for the things that are gonna make teams good. Did I think the Marlins were gonna be a lot better than the general consensus yeah like they added real baseball players to their team which is more to say than the last number of years right I mean they had Jonathan VR, they had Aguilar they have Dickerson they added real baseball players to the top of their lineup and their young pitchers are only getting better so I thought hey could they maybe going into this season play like close to 500 ball and squeak in in that eighth playoff spot was it impossible no but you know, it it could happen. And so that was where we were at, you know, two days in, but now I don't know if they're good. Like who knows if they're good because they're throwing every day. There's a new major league debut every day. Like every single day, there's some player that was playing single a ball last year or double a ball last year. That's skipping through the minor league system, making a major league debut. They have Pat Venditti throwing with both arms last night. Like it's It's the crazy, it's just this team is like throwing out, it's Major League. Like it's, they're throwing (laughs) out guys that I've never heard of that were never supposed to be successful. And it's, I cannot tell
1: you whether or not this is sustainable. It's impossible to know. It's such an interesting tension bringing up all of these guys from the minor leagues before they're quote unquote ready. And in many cases before they're actually ready, that Mm. after all of this time of, of MLB and Manfred in the commissioner's office incentivizing keeping players down and manipulating their service time. A poor plan, a poorly executed plan from MLB was the reason yeah. that all of these guys had to get called up and start their service time clock. It's like uh, just so many of MLB's shortcomings are being exposed by this and it's like kind of like that idea of like pressure bus pipes where if you have like a a oh, pressure gosh, sit- yeah. a press- high pressure situation, it's just going to expose all of the cracks in your foundation.
0: Well, and the Marlins are really lucky because in the last few years, they've brought in a ton of guys to their farm system because if they hadn't brought in all of those players, Daniel Castaño, who started last night, who was the fourth player in the Marcelo Zuna trade, right? He was just sort of a throw in, right? Who ends up making a major league start this season. He only throws, you know, barely 90 miles an hour. He's there, Humberto Mejia, you know, seven of the nine guys that have debuted this season are from the, you know, quote unquote, new Jeter ownership, but they got really lucky that they broke it down and created this deep farm system because if not, they would have had to start the clocks on all the top prospects. Like they haven't brought up anybody that's of significance in their plan yet. Like that's the funny part is all the guys that they've brought up are guys that they're like, Hey, yeah, sure. We can start your clock. You don't really matter. Like not that, not that Jordan Holloway isn't a part of the future, but he's the fifth or sixth guy in that farm system that they view as a possible starter. So they say, ah, eh, screw it. We'll bring him up. He'll be a part of the bullpen. Jorge Guzman, sure. Daniel Castaño, why not? Because they are doing the same thing. They're going, well, we can't you know, start the service time, which that's a whole other conversation I know you guys are constantly hammering on. But it's it's a hilarious element that they're not even bringing up the good prospects. They're bringing up the guys that they figure, ah, eh, screw it. Yeah, sure, we can we can waste the clock on them.
2: I love it because it's just like a petri dish for like, you know, halfway washed up. Like you said, like throw in prospects. Like this is the team that I, I think I would love to see like trade for jerks and profar, you know, like, <laughs> like get me all the people <laughs> who, who were on top 100 lists like three years ago and then yes. just see what happens. Right. Like Monty Harrison, Lewis Brinson, mm-hmm. uh, Sterling Sharp, who's dope. Right. Like this yeah. is. It's like very weirdly. It's a, it's a fun experiment, I think.
0: And they're and they're so cocky. Like, that's <laughs> the best part is that they're talking such a big game because they started seven and two, and that's what it takes in one of these weird short seasons where nobody knows anybody on your roster. Just go out, beat teams, talk your shit, and move on. You know, like like. I, I, it's so funny. Monte Harrison was saying he was zero for six with five strikeouts and saying there's a rude awakening coming from, from three (laughs) Oh five. Like that's what he said. And then he came out and had a two RBI single yesterday while a dribbler to right field. All these guys are playing with this. (laughs) Well, yeah, but these guys are playing with an immense amount of confidence for a bunch of players who have constantly been told you're nothing, you're nobody. And even if you are, one of those top prospects, Monte's playing with a slight because he didn't make the opening day roster. Brinson, we all know the story with Brinson the last couple of years. So it's it's just a lot of fun and it's obvious that they're having it.
2: It's interesting uh, because when we were talking to the guys from uh, Sespa's Family Barbecue a few weeks ago, they were mentioning G-Man Choi and how much fun um, he is because he has this confidence. He plays with that flair and he's not like, A superstar, you know? And the Marlins seem to be very emblematic of that. And it's like these kind of collection of ragtag guys who have these really big, loud personalities and whether they can back it up remains to be seen, but it's (laughs) still like they get the showmanship aspect of it.
0: It's the opposite of like what the Braves tried to do with so many of their players for so long, right? Like these teams try to like suppress personality. And the irony that the Derek Jeter led Marlins would be the team with personality is hilarious because he and we had him on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Goodness gracious, it was a masterclass of not answering. Like he is, <laughs> he is so good at making you feel like he answered your question without saying anything. It's incredible. So the fact that his team, quote unquote, would have all this personality and a bunch of players who. Who knows if they're any good, but as long as they're winning, he's going to be cool with them sort of showboating on and off the field. Like, who cares? As long as they're winning, that's the goal.
1: Yeah. So, spinning it forward a little bit, Jeremy, the rest of the 2020 baseball season, obviously, there are a lot of question marks still about who's going to return when, what that will mean for some of these young prospects who are all making their debuts concurrent days. Um, But for you, where's the ceiling? Where's the floor? And where do you think this team lands just in terms of possible? outcomes doesn't even have to be like I don't I don't need you to predict their record or I don't need you to predict whether they're gonna win the NLDS or (laughs) anything like that but I just mean like for you as someone who clearly loves this team and Mm. has it the team has built up a certain character for you in 2020 what is like the best outcome I mean the best outcome is a playoff appearance right and really
0: the most fun outcome would be a playoff appearance where you square off against Christian Yelich and the Milwaukee Brewers right like, that's Love the that dream. Answer. Love that's that answer. the dream is some sort of weird scenario, whether it's because you just snuck in and the Brewers were great
1: or both of you are right there in the middle. That's below the Mendoza line, Christian Yelich, to you. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, it is. Let's not, let's not forget. Uh, but Christian, right? Wouldn't it be incredible to watch, like, Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson both struggle for the whole season, but somehow have the Marlins make the playoffs despite that and have them come in pumping their chests isan diaz who's the other guy in that trade well he opted out after everybody got coronavirus completely understandably and he has supported the organization and certainly support for me I, if i were a major league baseball player i'd be opting out but that's again another conversation and jordan the conversation who,
1: that alex and i had two weeks ago we were like wouldn't yeah. you just like opt out bro <laughs> you just leave <laughs> when you like, just leave why would you stick around for this i think it's, i think people in the media think it's cool to like take a hard side about whether you should or shouldn't opt out but like more so that you shouldn't opt out and that you should quote unquote be there for your team but me and alex just sitting here like if i could get paid or even not paid like if i was financially yeah. secure to just not do my job for a year wouldn't do my job my employers like yeah you can come back next year it's You're fine good, bro You're yeah good, bro <laughs> and if anything they have to
0: show you extra support because if they don't show you support next year people are going to make them look bad for not showing you support after this year so it's like the perfect spot to be in But with all of that, I mean, Yamamoto, who's the other guy in that trade, coming up and throwing whatever it is that he throws and gets shelled. But who cares? Because somehow the Marlins are winning. So that's like, that's the ceiling for sure, is a playoff appearance preferably against the Brewers. The floor is that the wheels fall off completely. I mean, and that's totally possible. If they don't get some of these starting pitchers back within the next couple of weeks, it's going to fall off. I mean, you can only do bullpenning without players having been signed to be part of a bullpenning staff for so long, right? These are, they're throwing Richard Blyer, James Hoyt, Pat Venditti, all these guys that were not ever meant to do this. These guys that were, didn't make 60 man rosters, half of them, or were DFA'd. So it's going to fall apart eventually if they don't start getting some of these arms back. But It's also reasonable to think they could be a playoff team if they just get through, say they get back to Miami next Friday and they win of the game they're playing right now against the Mets and the two games against Toronto. Say they just win, say it's one of those and they're eight and four when they come back. You're eight and four, you're going to be at home. The NL East and AL East haven't exactly looked like they're so deep. It's not impossible to think you could sneak in. But on the same token, this could follow, and especially if you get pitchers back in the next couple of weeks and Sandy Alcantara and Caleb Smith and, and Jose Ureña, but if those guys don't come back for another month or two, you know, because who knows? I mean, Matt Joyce, this is something untalked about very much, but Matt Joyce just joined the team after these guys went to the IL because he hadn't tested negative twice in a row for like six weeks once he was diagnosed. Like that's such a big part. These guys could feel fine and want to come back, but just have it in their system and not get back for everybody's acting like it's going to be a couple weeks and they're back. I don't think that's necessarily the case all the way around.
1: Yeah, and if they couldn't get Juan Soto to test negative two straight times, it's going to be hard to get uh, everybody <laughs> right. on the Marlins to test negative two straight times. Like you, you know that the Nats were just like pumping tests into Juan Soto's yeah. hotel room, like we need to get this dude negative test. He feels fine and and. There's reports about him being frustrated and that's being frustrated yeah. about that, but yeah. Um, all right, Jeremy. Well, we really appreciate your time. Why don't you let everybody know where they can check you out, follow you, listen to the work that you produce and host?
0: Yeah, thanks. I uh, so at Jeremy Tache on Twitter, it's T A C H E. Also on Instagram or wherever, cross platform, we'll say. Uh, and then uh, you can follow at Swings and Mishes. Uh, it's a playoff. Our host, Craig Mish, swings and misses. Ha ha. Very punny. I know. Uh, and that's our that's our podcast. we where, wherever you listen to podcasts. I also have started recently with Gabrielle Starr. We're doing a Nickelodeon rewatch podcast called Nickelodeon. That's unrelated to anything baseball, but we're both baseball people and we have some fun watching old Nickelodeon shows. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can do that as well. Nickelodeon.
1: We have an eclectic listener base, so maybe some people will check that out.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, if you're listening to the, uh, the 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 known socialist baseball podcast, then <laughs> that's I can imagine Nickelodeon was in your childhood. That's all I'm thinking.
2: <laughs> Jeremy, uh, thanks for coming on, and thanks for giving me hope for Pablo Lopez and his startups in the playoffs.
0: Oh yes, please. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys are the best.
1: Alex, thank you to Jeremy. Lovely to have him on the podcast to explain what the hell is going on in Miami and on Miami Marlin's Twitter, which I don't feel like I have a good grasp on. Not at
2: all. I was that was very illuminating.
1: How many fan based Twitters do you think that you could in earnest try to be in before you just had to delete your Twitter account? Two? Three? In just yeah, baseball. I'm- you know, like you might be in fan- like the fan based Twitter of like Cal and the A's or something like that. But I mean, talking about just baseball, if you wanted to be a fan of the A's and our beloved Padres (laughs) (laughs) and the Mets and the Red Sox or something.
2: Yeah. I feel like, like I am immersed in A's Twitter and Mets Twitter and really by accident Yankees Twitter, just because like that's, you know, it's everywhere, and you live in New York, and you follow New York media like it's going to happen. Yeah, and and even that's a, even that's a little much, you know. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I definitely couldn't actively participate in all three.
1: I don't think anyone should actively participate in any fan base Twitters.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Delete fan base Twitters. <laughs> okay, we're going to do three up, three down, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, so let's start with up this week. Alex, do you want to share? We've revamped three up, three down. So every week, it's just going to be three things that make us happy, three things that sap our baseball joy. Uh, let's start with one of the three things that is making you happy this week. Well, a bit of
2: irony, given um, our, uh, our conversation that we had earlier in this episode. but
1: Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey. Yeah, me too.
2: <laughs> the Oakland A's, okay. overall, on balance, are making me happy. Good. Um, Good they are extreme. You. They are extremely good. This is, if we're being honest, the, the best A's team in quite a while. The best A's team that's actually trying to be a good A's team because there's a period in there of like 2012 to 2014 where they just kind of, I think, stumbled into a position where they were good.
1: Yeah.
2: But now it seems like it's kind of all coalescing into something and Jesus Lazardo. Is making big lead starts and looking fresh as hell. You know, Matt Chapman does.
1: He's nasty, dude.
2: Yeah, I know. He's, mm, yeah, I can't keep I can't making even.
1: noises. This is the <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Lazardo grunting hour.
2: That is literally what I do when I, when I watch Jesus Lazardo pitch. It's just me sitting on the couch, just like ooing and awing and murmuring to myself. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh God. Nice. <laughs> This is the soundbite we're going to pull from this episode.
1: I hope we do. Like, I don't have control over it. I'm just saying. I hope. I hope nameless person X who pulls out video breakouts <laughs> of our podcast. Definitely not me.
2: Yeah. No. Not at all. That's all I have. I they overall they're a really good team. They are one of the best teams in baseball, and you can't even really argue that point. And it's fun, and it's exciting, and you know, as long as they keep the, uh, you know fascist symbols out of their play for the rest of the year, I think they could, you know, really make a run at things.
1: I'm just going to leave that there. Move on. Uh, Okay, number one for me is base stealing. Oh, yeah. This is a... um,
2: Although I'm curious where you're going with
1: this. This is a recurring theme for us that we've talked a lot about how base stealing is one of the most exciting things that can happen on a baseball field. And, you know, stealing is down. So I guess in a way that could make me sad. But it, it makes me appreciate it more, the guys who actually do it. And the example that I'm thinking of yesterday, I was watching the Royals. And Adalberto Mondesi was on second base. I don't know if he stole second or not. But I had just happened to tune in when he was on second base. And he stole third. <laughs> pretty, pretty dang easily. Pretty easily. And then the, a couple pitches later, there was a pass ball. And he scored a run. And I know that small ball has been completely destroyed, and it's like not cool to like small ball, so to speak, anymore. It's come to be like this sort of pejorative for teams that don't think analytically about the game or whatever. But that cut, that kind of small ball where he just made a run himself, like if it was, if that was Wilson Ramos on second, they just don't score that game. They, they just don't score that inning at all. Because the next guy, I think, made the final out. And that's tight, man. Watching someone steal a base, it's just a variation within the sport that I think we need. I think we need more different types of players. And say what you want about see whether he's actually good, whether he was an overhyped he prospect. Good. He's good. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> whether he it doesn't have the hit tool to continue to be successful at the big league level... None of that really matters to me. It's just that he's exciting. He's different to watch. You're getting a different experience. And I think that's what baseball is starting to lack or over the last decade has has started to lack. There's like a certain homogeneity to players and to team strategy. And I don't know if it's even necessarily beneficial to zig while other teams are zagging. Like it might be in the NBA for something like the Spurs who have gone against analytics, but it's worked out for them. I don't really care about all that. I just care about when I'm watching, it's cool to watch someone do different shit.
2: Yeah. You want to know who's stealing bases right now? San Diego fricking Padres. Oh my God. If you had told me that in August, we were going to be talking about the Padres and the Marlins for like 70% of an episode, I would have told you to get out of town. But get out of town. Get out of of town, guy. Hit the road, Jack.
1: What's second for you?
2: Second on my list is Ozzy Guillen. Spending thirty seconds uh in a post game broadcast to talk about how much he hates Nick Swisher. Just just pure long standing feud that has happened for more than a decade. Bobby, can you just can you just play the clip for us real quick? Oh, oh my god. Nick nobody can compare that with Nick Swisher. I I, I hate Nick Swisher
0: with my heart. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. You wanna get into that a little more or no? No,
2: not really, but I think he hit me back. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but yeah. I, can, I can You
0: guys just it. didn't get along.
2: Didn't didn't work out. No, no. I know I I I never talked to him. I was managing him, but I don't
0: like the ways his attitude was all fake. Yeah. And I don't like fake people. All right. So he was only in with the White Sox for one year and then he moved on. It, it was one year too long.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's I mean, come on. We need more of this. Yeah, we need more open disrespect among manager and player. Absolutely. He he when, went. How on do you to think say, Ozzie Guillen feels about Moneyball? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bean's an idiot for wanting Nick Swisher. <laughs> he
2: he later went on to say, "Maybe I used him the wrong way. I had him in center field, batting first, second. You got to have him in right field, batting tenth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man, yes. I I I'm a fan. I'm a fan. That's all I can say.
1: Nice work, Ozzy. Okay, my second thing, Alex, is a little thing I'm calling "Happy to be here," guys. And I think that that could be taken as a pejorative. I don't mean it in that way. When you say like someone's happy to be here, it's like oh, they're like they didn't expect to be here, and that's not what I mean. We just talked about it with Jeremy. A lot of the the young guys on the Marlins who just seemed like thrilled to be playing baseball at the major league level. And I know I already talked about the Royals with Mondesi, but Nick Heath on the Royals who made his MLB debut last week just seems like he's having fun out there. Just happy to be playing the game of baseball. And I feel like I've been noticing more of that this year. And maybe that's because I'm watching more baseball than ever, because like I missed it for the last few months and I'm trying to mainline it as much as possible now. But Guys who seem like they're just having a good time playing baseball—we don't need to spend any more time on it. It's just that just makes me happy to see. It's infectious. Absolutely. Infectious. Yes. Tough word to use in these days, but you know what? It's infectious. I'm going to keep going through it. I realize it as soon as I said it. It's contagious. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yes. It spreads. I...
2: <laughs> this is what's going to get us canceled. <laughs> I 100% agree. I mean, this is like, it's why we do the all gift draft, right? Like it's why we, it's why we highlight these players. It's why we, Yasiel Puig is our goddamn logo, which by the way, Yasiel Puig still doesn't have a major league baseball team, which is a goddamn travesty.
1: You remember when Ioannis Cespedes opted out of the baseball season? Yeah. At Mets. Hang on. At Mets. Weren't we supposed to talk about that? Have we not talked about that yet? Last week, we didn't know that oh, he had opted yeah. out yet. Breaking news on the podcast. Alex and Bobby realized they haven't talked about UNSS assessment is <laughs> opting out last Monday. Jeez, poor job by us. Let's move on to your third thing. Everybody takes <laughs> already yeah, out about that.
2: Yeah, I know. I have nothing to say except, good, I support him.
1: Mets, sign Puig. Sign Puig. You just lost a left fielder. Sign Puig.
2: Last thing on my list. Very brief. I'm sorry that I'm really feeling like quotes by current and or former managers this week. Um, but it's just Dusty Baker one-liners, such as, The sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day. It's about time it shines on us.
1: What does that mean?
2: I think he's saying that the Ast- Astros are a dog's ass? um, onto which the sun must now shine.
1: It makes less sense now.
2: I really, I want to, I want to get like him and Scott Boris in the same room. You know, it's like the kind of thing where like you set up two Alexas and then you next to each other and then you turn them on and they just like start talking over each other's heads. You know, like I just want a transcript of what that conversation would look like.
1: Is that a thing? Can you do that? Will they talk to each other?
2: Yes, I believe so.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make me feel good.
2: No, not at all.
1: The robots are communicating. (laughs)
2: Well, it's the kind of thing where they, like, communicate, but they're not actually processing what what either person is saying, you know?
1: If there was ever going to be a year that the singularity was going to hit, it was going to be 2020. Yeah, right. If we're talking in December still, and our computers aren't, like, revolting against us for still complaining about how I haven't bought a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey yet. Honestly, it's been a failure. Yeah, this has all been for naught. Okay, are you ready for my third thing? I am. My third thing is um, raised reliever Sean Gilmartin's sucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick it to the White House. <laughs> um, if you don't know, Sean Gilmartin is married to White House President Secretary Kaylee McEnany. She tweeted, Great job. Martin." Sean had a solid first outing for raised baseball, and it's a picture of Sean Gilmartin's child. Not watching his outing. Not Kids these days, they can't pay attention to baseball. The kid is turned away from the screen. Happy for the kid. Happy for the kid getting a, being able to watch their father play Major League Baseball. That must be a very cool experience. My father did not play Major League Baseball. However, Sean Gilmartin sucks and probably isn't a great person. So three and a third innings, five hits, three earned, and eight, ten ERA. Alex, Sean Gilmartin sucks at baseball. It makes me happy. Sometimes
2: karma does exist. Is he, like, the, the top baseball player right now whose partner is arguably, like, more famous than him? Hmm. Like I can't really think of another one. It yeah. would have been... I mean, A-Rod and J-Lo are the the obvious power couple, but they're not current players, so they don't really exist.
1: It's funny, too, because A-Rod is actually legit famous and Sean Gilmartin is not. Get like yes. cut from the Mets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he got cut or if he just got traded or whatever.
2: Like, when I search Sean Gilmartin's name, it comes up one of those articles like, here's what you need to know about Kaylee McEnany's husband. You know? Like, he is n- reduced to... That's feminist. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sean Gilmartin sucks at baseball, my calm. Okay, let's go to our three down. What? Uh, I'm going to go first on this one, okay? Please. I'm pouring one out. For Shohei Ohtani, the pitcher, in 2020. And maybe Shohei Ohtani, the pitcher, forever? Oh, no. Question mark? Oh, oh. It's it's undecided right now what's going to happen with the future of Shohei Ohtani pitching. But he, um, last Sunday, after we got out of our recording, he uh he went out there, got through the first inning, his first inning of the year that he actually got through because in his first appearance, he gave up five runs and got no outs. Not what you want. And this was his second appearance made it through the first inning. The second inning, he ran into a little trouble, Alex, and he, he ended up throwing 42 pitches in one inning and only getting one out, and then it turned out that he had a forearm strain or a, a, an elbow issue, something to do with the recovery of his Tommy John, and without getting too technical on you guys, it basically means he's out four to six weeks, meaning he won't pitch for the next four to six weeks. He'll, he'll continue to DH, I believe. Yeah, but he's done pitching for the year. That's a downer, man. That's a downer because, you know, we spent, we and every other baseball podcast and everybody else on baseball Twitter spent a lot of time talking about how exciting he is and the two-way player thing being that idea of variation that I was talking about with Mondesi, but to its logical conclusion. And it just sucks, man, because Otani, when he came over, it was like, if he can't hit whatever, he'll just be a fantastic pitcher because he has amazing stuff. He throws 99 and he has like four pitches. So, to see that get taken away from us is such a downer. It just, I, I feel like I don't need to explain it anymore. It just, it's, it's buns.
2: I completely agree. Well, if it's all right with you, I'm going to go right into my first down, which relates to this exactly, which is seems like we really fucked up a lot of pitchers by making them ramp up in three weeks with like no notice, and then just like throwing them out into the fire. Yeah. Now. Otani's position is different because he was recovering from obviously Tommy John surgery and he was just straight up abused by Joe Maddon in his second start who let him throw more than 40 pitches in an inning.
1: I know. I get it. You want to build up, back up his confidence because he had a really bad starting in his first time. And if you give him the hook as soon as he puts someone on base, then it might continue to affect his confidence and mental health out there on the mound. But like, On the other hand, 42 pitches is unforgivable. If this dude throws 30 pitches in and get him out, I don't care if it's in the middle of a fucking at bat. I don't care. Then you build up his confidence later in a different way.
2: Yeah. This is a guy whose rehab had him on track to return by May. And then it was obviously stunted by, you know, once again, global pandemic. And so you're just kind of sitting in limbo for two months. And then at the drop of a pin, you have to like, Ramp up and get ready for a major league baseball season with no minor league starts. You drop don't get any pin. minor league starts. I like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the phrase is drop of a hat, but we could drop pins also. Isn't? You could hear a pin drop. That's the phrase that you drop pins for.
2: Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna power through like your pandemic metaphor. Um,
1: <laughs> drop a pin.
2: <laughs> Let me know where you're at. My point being, the way that this season was thrown together in haste, I think will have more implications on the long-term health of a lot of the game's players, specifically pitchers, than we imagine. You have guys like Verlander and the aforementioned Otani and Corey Kluber who have all been hit with, like, relatively serious arm-slash-shoulder injuries. Clayton Clayton Kershaw, who's, like, perennially hurt. But still...
1: Even, like, Michael Waka, who pitched yesterday, and... Looked okay except for the one inning, but had to labor through a lot of pitches in that one inning. He's now on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Just like yeah. little stuff like that in an, an otherwise normal outing ends up being shoulder inflammation.
2: Yeah. Now, could it all be a coincidence? Sure. sure. But some of these are guys who have been relatively durable. So I just, it feels like the stars are kind of aligning to really. Just fuck some shit up for pitchers.
1: Yeah, pitching in baseball is bad for you and stupid, and nobody should do it. Except it's cool to watch. Yep. Pay all these guys when they're twenty. Like I don't know why. Like God, it just upsets me so much that all of these guys don't get to make money until they're twenty seven, and then they're also asked to do this bullshit. Like, God, Otani making a fucking rookie the rookie max, which is like so undervaluing what he is as a player. And him coming over and sacrificing more money from Japan is just such fucking bullshit. Um, and then Joe Madden, obviously not having his back. Joe Madden, everybody's yeah. favorite, happy-go-lucky manager.
2: What's the next for you?
1: Uh, the Mets do this thing called the Five Serve Veteran of the Game, and okay. it just takes me out of it, dude. Can we do like can a? You, can you explain the concept? It's a military veteran of the game. It's so it mm. it would be oh, the person see, that see, they I would I bring out onto the field for a standing ovation. When we go to City Field together, but now they're doing it just on the TV broadcast, and they're doing like a photo gallery and et cetera, et cetera, and they're doing it on SNY. And I understand America's obsession with the military-industrial complex, but can we get to like at one team that does like community organizer of the game, or like teacher of the game, factory worker of the game, just anything else? Besides veteran of the game or even, you know what? I'll fucking compromise. I'm good at compromising in addition to veteran of the game. Just give me something else. <laughs> <laughs> I get that like teams give back to their community in their own way. But what you put on the actual telecast of the game says something about what you value and what you think your fans value. And it can create a feedback loop about what your fans think about the world. It just can. If you're a kid watching this and thinking, oh, the only people who get to be honored during Mets games are military veterans, then you're like, oh, the military is infallible. And it's not. <laughs> as any number of things could tell you. And, you know, let's start doing other shit.
2: When you introduced that idea, I thought you were saying that every game they were celebrating a, a veteran baseball player, you know, and they were like Tom this. Glavin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even like current players, you know, like today's veteran of the game is Brian Dozier, you know? And I was just like, aren't they going to run out of guys soon?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you for asking me to specify.
2: However, I'd be into that idea too. You know, let's just, let's remember some guys on baseball broadcast. I think that's what I'm trying to say.
1: But please credit David Roth. <laughs> okay. What's your second down? Uh, My second down is that Sean
2: Doolittle deactivated his Twitter account.
1: Fuck man. And this that... was my third down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it.
2: All right. Well, we can, we'll, we'll combine our downs here. Uh, that shit sucks, man, because Sean Doodle is a really essential voice to the game. And it's still relatively unclear why that was. Um, but he has not had a great year and he had a particularly bad outing a couple days ago. And the sense is that potentially Nat's Twitter wasn't too excited about that. Although, The other side of that coin is that he's also incredibly politically outspoken on the left. And your mentions can be pretty fucking toxic as a result of that sort of thing, especially if you are a professional athlete. Regardless, whoever compelled Sean Doolittle to delete his account, come fucking see me. Pull up. You know what I say to that? Drop a pin. Let's
1: go. Wow, that was some real professional hosting by you. Calling Thanks. back to your failed joke before. <laughs> Love it. Um, no, I mean, let's leave room for the fact that Sean might have just decided he just doesn't want to be on Twitter anymore cuz it sucks. We don't that's, know that's fair yeah. too. We don't yeah. know why he deleted his Twitter and he has it's his prerogative to delete his Twitter whenever he wants whether it's the day after the Nats win the World Series or not. Um, but if it does have anything to do with baseball Twitter, which is my third down because of this reason, because you see a lot of people tweeting dumb shit at Sean Doolittle and, and anyone who blows a game, or anyone who has a bad outing, or anyone who's in a slump at the plate. I mean, I'm sure Chris Davis probably went through the same thing when he started out over for 54, making whatever he was making at the time because fans love to pull up spot track and talk about your contract. But the idea that especially, especially, especially now. When baseball is less essential than ever, and winning in this season is less essential than ever. for you to be mad at someone to have a bat that had a bad relief outing is just so silly and unnecessary and cruel and I hope that uh, I hope that Sean feels better without those mentions, and I hope that if he wants to, he can come back and it can be a, a healthier place for him and everyone <laughs> for that yeah. matter.
2: Don't we all hope that. Twitter could be a healthier place.
1: Sean is like the, he's the best dude in the world. Yes. I mean, long time listeners will know he's been on this podcast multiple times and just incredibly magnanimous and gracious with his time and friendly to us two kids who like, two dumb, two dumb kids who like didn't have any reason to be asking a real live Major League Baseball player on their podcast. And he just came and hung out. So,
2: and talked about Star Wars. Like, shit, man.
1: It's dumb. Baseball fans are dumb frequently. Many of them are not, but the, the the loud voices of the minority of toxic baseball fans can be awful. Just truly awful. Yeah. And I'm wishing the best they're, for Sean and Aaron and everybody on the Nats as well. Me wishing the Nats well because of Sean. Our well, Sean
2: yeah, there, I wish some of the Nats players well. Not, <laughs> not all of them. There are a select few. Um, but all that to say there are some people who should be bullied off Twitter and Sean Toolittle isn't one of them.
1: Yes. Okay, your final down.
2: My final down is seven inning baseball games.
1: Oh shit. Okay.
2: Major League Baseball has <laughs> as a result of, you know, once their own again incompetence. <laughs> their own incompetence given the, you know, global pandemic. Um, they're gonna be a lot of doubleheaders this year. Because teams, the Cardinals have played like a third of the games as everyone else. Who knows how they're going to make it up, but like, all right, whatever. You know how they're going to make it up is by seven inning double headers. That's not a baseball game. That's just, that's just not.
1: It's a different sport. That's
2: like, that's a different sport. That's just like saying it's now three balls and three balls for a walk and two strikes for a strikeout.
1: You know what all of this reminds me of? What does it remind you of? Making up the rules on the fly just in to, to to expedite the process as much as possible to get it done. You remember when we were in college and we played on in the NYU Intramural Softball League, and every do remember this every at bat you started with two strikes to speed up the game <laughs> because the uh, the the umpires didn't want to be there and they were only getting paid for like an hour. So the rule was that you started with every. St- every at bat with two strikes. But not only that, if you hit a foul ball, it counted as a strikeout. So you didn't even start with two strikes. You just only get one pitch. (laughs) Yeah, yes. (laughs) And that's what this feels like. It doesn't feel that different for MLB to be changing the rules on the fly like that and compromising the integrity of the game. I mean, I know like the integrity of the game is a thing that's weaponized negatively very, very frequently. But in this case, <laughs> hell! If this is not compromising the integrity of the game, seven inning games. So you're just saying that, like, if you're facing Degrom or Cole or Scherzer, you just lose. <laughs> you just lose. Yeah, and
2: or if you, or if you're facing someone with like a relatively deep bullpen, even like halfway deep bullpen, right? Like, wow, you hated bullpen games before. Shit's gonna be your starter has to go four innings
1: any one of these things on their own would be bad enough that we would destroy it in a normal season but to do all of these things at the same time man I mean I think I like I have to at least
2: give them credit because they have absolutely acknowledged that this season doesn't mean jack shit and so they very they're just playing fast and loose with the rules at this point you know they're just
1: nakedly like we're just trying to pull as much money out of your pocket as we can (laughs) and me over here I'm like let me give you more for Fernando Tati's junior jersey (laughs) You guys are doing good.
2: (laughs) Like, I, like, I get it. Like, they're basically just like, we just want to play some form of baseball at some point. There have to be games played in some way. And we don't want, (laughs) Joe Girardi, like, cited the player's health as why seven inning doubleheaders are a good thing. And I'm like, I, if you cared about the player's health, that's a. I have another idea for you right now about playing during a pandemic but point being this is mostly yeah, you giving... lost
1: that card out of your deck bro
2: yeah yeah I, I, I didn't enjoy the fodder this gave uh, certain reporters who were like hey maybe let's do seven inning baseball games forever. forever Yeah. shit sucks man that's a no from me
1: dog that's just a, it's just a it's just, it's just. it's dumb it's gonna happen though I have news for you Everything that's happening this season is eventually going to be a thing that happens to us every season. Yeah. And on that note, that ends 3 3 down. Woo! Okay. Thank you to Jeremy. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to you, Alex. Lovely to speak to you again. Lovely to forget that we didn't discuss the UN Cespedes news 70 minutes into the podcast. It's great. It's great stuff. We're doing our best. There's,
2: I have nothing to add to that. The Mets are a shitty baseball organization like all other baseball organizations, and I support Yohannes Cespedes wholeheartedly. That's it. That's my contribution to the discussion.
1: That's my statement that I put out on Twitter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to whom it may
1: concern. It's not going to make anyone think that a player is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay. My recommendation for everyone is go follow Jeremy on Twitter and pay more attention to the Miami Marlins and Pablo Lopez's changeup and his stirrups. That's my final recommendation for this week. Thanks for listening to Tipping Pitches. We appreciate it. TippingPitchesPot at gmail.com, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, rate, review, all of that sort. If you can find a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey, DM your boy. Goodbye. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez tipping pitches
0: this is the one that I love the most so we'll see you next week see ya